brings you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Morgan Wooten was a high school basketball coach in suburban Washington, D.C. at the Mappa High School for 35 or 40 years. If I were to give a list of the players who played from him, for him at the Mappa and went on to college and NBA, you would know a lot of the names. Morgan Wooten is one of only three high school coaches was in the National Basketball Hall of Fame. Three high school coaches. At the day he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, he told a story about his grandson Nick's first day of school. The teacher asked Nick, as she did everybody else in the room, getting to know her students, she said, well, Nick, what's your favorite sport? And Nick said, baseball. She was surprised. She said, not basketball? Nick said, nope, I don't know anybody who knows anything about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Nick, a lot of people think your grandfather Wooten knows a lot about basketball. Nick snorted and laughed and laughed and finally when he got his breath, he said, oh no! He doesn't know anything about basketball. I go to all his games. He never gets to play. <laughs> Sometimes we see God the way Nick saw his grandfather. Because the game of life going on in front of us doesn't reveal to us the hand of God anywhere. We begin to wonder. We think God knows nothing about this. Or maybe God cares nothing about what I'm going through. Or maybe God just can't do anything after all, we never see God get in the game. Our scripture readings for today, particularly Daniel and the Gospel, talk about the art of having faith in a world gone mad, of seeing God's hand in the wild confusion that often surrounds us. There are examples of apocalyptic literature. Now, some people use these apocalyptic scriptures to make predictions about the future that are intended to frighten people in the present. I remember as a child at Sweet Mountain Missionary Baptist Church, every year we had to have somebody come in and explain all the things that were in Revelation and show the dispensations and the ages, and the bottom result was, it's going to get bad, and if you haven't got Jesus, you're just toast. <laughs> that's what they use this stuff. But that's not what these scriptures are intended for. 
They were meant to bring us reassurance of God's love when we go through hard times and God seems so very far away. These scriptures are intended to bring us reassurance of God's love when we go through hard times and God seems so very far away. I didn't lose my place. I meant to do that twice. <laughs> Daniel was written for the Hebrew people when they were in a very tough spot. It is set in the time when they were in exile in Babylon and oppressed and persecuted. It's probably written a few hundred years later when they were again in trouble with, and the Maccabees were fighting against the people that were going to desecrate the temple. Daniel was written to give hope to a people who had lost hope. To give faith to those who were losing touch with God to say no matter how bad it gets, God is still God and rescue. Hebrews is not apocalyptic, but it was written to people who were having a difficult time. They were the community of early Christians in Rome. It wasn't exactly a letter. It was more of a theological essay. And, and most of the people in Rome, the Hebrew, that's why it's called Hebrews, were Jewish in background. And they were struggling to get along with their Roman neighbors and their Jewish sisters and brothers and to understand what it meant for them to be the people they were. One of the interesting things in the way that lesson is outlined, that last paragraph starts with therefore. And what came before is this is the things that God has done for us, therefore. We do this. And then it says since. And it goes on and lists three things. Let us. Therefore, because God is God and since God has taken care of us, therefore, let us approach with a true heart full assurance of faith. Another, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. And my favorite one, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. I think we got the provoke part down. I'm not sure about the love and good deeds. But in the midst of difficulty and trouble, the message is hold fast to your faith. God is certainly true. Chapter 13 of Mark's Gospel was written some years after the death of Christ to the early Christians, a community of faith that was also in a tough spot. Just read the book of Acts. Things were difficult. They were a people who were fearful and hesitant about the future. These words were written to give them hope and faith. When the thing that was the biggest symbol of the Jewish faith crumbled the temple, which it had by the time, about the time Mark was written, when even when that crumbles, God is still God, Jesus says. These words were written to give them hope and faith in the God of the future so that they could hold on to the present. Each of these three communities were like Morgan Wooten's grandson. They saw the activity in front of them, but they couldn't see the hand of the one running the show. So they were afraid, they were anxious, they were losing hope. <clears throat> in the early days of television, Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks <laughs> created a skit called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. <clears throat> Reiner played a TV reporter and interviewed the man on the street, and the man on the street this day was 2,000 years old. 
So the newsman says, well, did you worship God in your village? No, at first we worshiped this guy in our village named Phil. <laughs> you worship a guy named Phil? Why? Well, Phil was bigger than us, faster than us. He was mean, and he could hurt you, break your arm or leg right in two. So we worship Phil. <laughs> I see. Uh, did you have any prayers in this religion? Oh, yeah. Do you want to hear one? Sure. Please, Phil, no! Please, Phil, no! That's basically the only prayer we had. Okay. When did you stop worshiping Phil? Well, one day, we were having a re religious festival. Phil was chasing us, and we were praying. Please, Phil, no! Suddenly, a thunderstorm came up and a bolt of lightning struck and killed Phil. We all gathered around and stared at Phil, and then we had an epiphany, a revelation. We realized there's something bigger than Phil. <laughs> that is the ultimate message of apocalyptic. There's something bigger than fit. There's something bigger than the bad stuff that happens in our lives, and that something bigger is God. That something bigger is faith in God's tomorrow overcoming our yesterdays and today. That something bigger is the faith that God is indeed very much in the game. God is involved in all our pain and sorrow, all our suffering and disappointment. God is bigger, much bigger than all those things that frightened and haunted us. Find a hymnal. I'm going to sing this. What I want you to look at. Number 396. Thanksgiving's coming up. It's a popular hymn to sing on Thanksgiving. Now, I think we are got. Look down at the bottom, you'll see. Words, Martin Rickard, 1586-1649. He was a German Lutheran pastor. He wrote that hymn in 1636. For a service celebrating the end of the Thirty Years' War. He was one of the three ministers in the little town of Eilenburg, Germany. The last few years of the war, the town was under siege from the Swedish army. There was almost no food, was able to get into town, and then things got really bad. The plague hit. People were dying daily. Hundreds. Starvation, illness, including Pastor Martin's two ministerial colleagues. He was the only priest left. And Rinker's entire family, his wife and children. Besides his other duties of visiting the sick and working with trying to keep somebody together, things together, he was also burying an average of 50 people a day. Mm -hmm. And yet he wrote 
this hymn. Now think we all are God. With heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in his grace and guide us with perplexed and free us from all ills in this world. To write such words in such a time. Rickert was either completely out of touch with reality or in touch with the deep spiritual truth about a God whose promises are ever sure and whose love never fails. Despite his overwhelmingly awful personal situation, Martin Rinkert held on to faith. If Rinkert was right, if our Bible readings are telling us the truth, if in the midst of this world's trouble and sorrow, pain and disappointment, we can trust God's concern and involvement in our lives, then we are called to live our lives as agents of God's grace. Agents of God's grace and love. The last, let us, in Hebrews, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. I love that. Provoke. Usually the word provoke is used in a negative sense. As an honest officer, I didn't mean to hit him, but he provoked me. <laughs> I didn't mean to talk ugly to my mama, but she just plain provoked me. <laughs> but here it is used positively. We are to provoke. It's a little bit more than courage, isn't it? A little more needling. Encouragement, stirring up, prodding and pushing, being active in love. We are encouraged. In the midst of a world full of scared, lonely, hurting people, to provoke one another into acts of love and works of mercy, into commitments to compassion, into doing the right thing for the right reasons. In a world in which it is sometimes difficult to see God's activity, we are called to get in the game, to be the hands of God, touching all with the gentle, and healing caress of divine love. Amen. 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 Amen.